Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? It's good to be in the house of God, right? How many of you enjoyed your Thanksgiving? Did you? But how many of you came to church first? Hey, yeah. Oh, my. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm glad that we're here in church today, and it's a privilege, like I always say, to be in the house of God because the Bible literally says no one can come to God except he draws them unto himself. So this morning, everybody just drop your boasting, drop your pride, drop your beautiful clothes and how nice you are and recognize that you are only here because God wants it so. And so for that reason, take it seriously. It's a privilege. So could we just take one minute, right? We're going to say this confession and then we're just going to, you're going to say a prayer over yourself. This is the confession. This is the word of God. It is God speaking to me. My ears are attentive. My heart is receptive. As I am taught the word, the seed of life will be planted. It will surely grow deep roots and it will produce its fruit in me. For 30 seconds, just pray that that becomes the reality in your life as you listen. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm doing sort of a teaching today to introduce us to um, a person and his institution. And hopefully, by the end of this, you'll be interested in joining that same school. Um, the title of my message today is The School of the Spirit. Right? The School of the Spirit. And you could put in parentheses after that, bridal glory. We're going to read a text. It's quite lengthy, but um, open your Bibles to Esther chapter 2 from verse 1 to 18. I'm going to go pretty fast so we could do well on time. Esther chapter 2 verse 1 to 18. And it starts like this. It says, later when King Xerxes... Fury had subsided. He remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Hegai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women, and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. Now there was in the citadel of Susa a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, 
who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiachin, the king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father died, her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to this king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who was in charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality and family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women, six months with the oil of myrrh and six with perfumes and cosmetics. And this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there and in the morning return to another part of the harem to the care of Shagags, the king's eunuchs, who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted, the daughter of his uncle Abihel, to go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the harem, suggested, and Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the 10th month, the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women and she won his approval and more than any of the other virgins. So he set her royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed the holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. This is the word of God. Many of us know this story of Esther, right? We know this story so very well. But something that, is, that God began to show me in this story is how this story relates to what his Holy Spirit has been sent to do to prepare us for the king. If you read this story, you will see some things that I'll begin to point out as parallels. Esther was 
by definition, already beautiful and great. But something about her was that the Bible described that she did not have a father or a mother, right? And there's something that Jesus Christ said before he, he left. He says, I will not leave you as what? Orphans, right? I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send to you what? Another word, helper. In this case, let's parallel that to the life of Esther. Mordecai can be her type of helper, right? In this case, she was not left without a helper, someone who would train her, who would lead her in how she should go, how she should be brought up. So despite the fact that she did not have a father or a mother, she had someone there, right? And this is what Jesus Christ told us, right? It says in John chapter 14, verse 16 to 26, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because the Holy Spirit remains with you continually and will be in you. So the same way Mordecai was sort of her guide, training her. She was beautiful, but yet she still needed training, right? She still needed guidance, right? And there was this decree that was made. If you know the story of the background behind this, Vashti did not obey her king, and she was sent to the king. And so now the king is looking for somebody else to take her place. And he's going to select from all the people in, in his in his jurisdiction, in his domain, right? He's going to choose the best. And he's going to not only do that, but he's also going to put them in some place, some care of his eunuch, right? This can be described as another parallel, right? Esther was going to go from Mordecai, who is training her, bringing her up, going to go to another type of helper who is going to prepare her for the king, right? Mordecai is training her in character inside, but Haggai is going to prepare her, consecrate her, because though she was beautiful and everything, there was 12 months of prescription that needed purification, beautification. She was beautiful already, but there was a prescribed beautification that she needed to go through before she could appear before the king. And I want us to realize that that's what the Holy Spirit has been sent here to do for us. Yes, Jesus has saved us. And yes, we have been called, like Esther has been called into that harem where all the other beautiful ones. But there's only one way that you become acceptable to the king is to go through his own beautification process, right? If you remember, as we read through that scripture, it says that, when it was Esther's turn to go before the king, she took only the things that Haggai told her to go with. And when she went, immediately she was acceptable to the king, right? It's not by her own beauty that she had before. Her own beauty was just enough to get her in. The purification, the beautification that Haggai was going to put her through 
was what was going to make her acceptable. Was what was going to make her acceptable before the king. In that same scripture of John chapter 11, if we skip to verse 22, it's, this is Judas asking Jesus. He says, not Iscariot. He says, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus, the king, is not going to show himself to everybody. You may have seen him to a degree and so you, you are here. But for him to really commit himself to you, you have to go through the school of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, subjecting yourself to his requirements, right? In verse 23, Jesus answered, he says, if anyone really loves me, right, will keep my word, teaching, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him, right? One who does not love me does not keep my word, and the word teaching which you hear is not mine, but is the father's who sent me. I have told you these things while I am still with you, verse 26, but the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you to remember everything that I have told you. The only way God and Jesus come to stay with us is if we obey. There's no other way. Right? There's no other way. It's obedience. Right? And the only way that is going to be possible is when you are in the school of the Spirit, as verse 22 says, where he is teaching you all things and bringing to your remembrance everything that is the word of God causing you to live by them. Notice that the Holy Spirit is not coming here to do your bidding. Right? He's not coming here to be your, like your pride, like anointing, all that stuff. He's here for one purpose, mainly, to teach us and to bring to our remembrance. That's his primary purpose. That's why I said he has an institution. It's a school. Those who choose to enroll, they will receive that certificate called the bridal glory. As Esther was immediately crowned when she was seen. When you are presented before God, releasing yourself, when the Holy Spirit presents you before God, you will be acceptable as his bride. It is impossible to live a life pleasing to God without a relationship of submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And this submission that we're talking about is a submission from our heart, right? What does God tell us in Romans 12, chapter 1? It says, so then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you 
What's this grace mercy? He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if you believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. That's the mercy. Right? But he says, I appeal to you for that great mercy. I appeal to you. Offer yourselves. Offer yourself as a what? As a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. That's the life that we're supposed to live. That's what God expects from us, that we should submit ourselves as a living sacrifice. But we cannot do it by ourselves. That's God's requirement, but we cannot do it by ourselves. And so he sent us a helper. He sent us a helper. Esther did not need to come with her own knowledge. She only need to, she needed to follow the advice of Haggai and Mordecai all of her life. Go and study her life. It's almost like if you read her life, it's as if she did not have a head of her own. But the advice she was following led her to glory. But we have been given a helper. Right? Let's open Luke chapter 18, verse 1. This is just an example of when Jesus says we should do something, but he's not really expecting us to do it on our own strength. Luke 18, verse 1. This is just a, a part of a full scripture. It says, now Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. That's what Jesus was saying, right? Now, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and see what Jesus truly expects them to do. He says, in the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. What's the next thing? He says, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time. Yes, so you are reading the scripture, you are reading it, yes, yes, yes. Do you have, are you already enrolled in the school of the Holy Spirit where he takes what you are reading, right? And he begins to allow it to produce life in you. Yes, Jesus wanted them to pray at all times. But they could go ahead and start doing things. And they will miss the right time. They will pray about the wrong things. And they will be living in stress and strife and think that the word of God is not working. But when you enroll in the school of the spirit, he will tell you the right time. He will show you the right prayer. It doesn't just mean praying in the Holy Ghost. Yes, Praying in the Holy Ghost is part of praying in the Spirit. But praying in the Spirit is to be led by the Spirit in prayer. Praying the things that he wants you to pray and at the right time. So the Holy Spirit is, if you don't enroll in his institution, you will be beating around the bush. And maybe... You have one victory 
that's not really it. And that can cause blindness, real blindness. You want to know what I mean that's kind of what I mean by that? You have not really enrolled in the school of the spirit. This happened to me many times. Ah, I'm about to tell you myself. When I first came to this thing, I used to listen to some preachers, and the, the ministers will know this. I used to listen to some preachers, and they were very, very prosperous. You know, they, they preached the faith, believe God. You know, if you need something, sow a seed. Why are you doing this? Why are you wasting time? Like, how much do you need? One million? Let me calculate. Times 10, you sow a seed. So maybe you need to sow $1,000. Then maybe in two weeks, you get a million. That's, <laughs> that's where I started from. And I loved it because it worked. Oh, it worked. You think it didn't work? It worked like, hey, it worked. In fact, there are people here that I sowed seed into your life. You know it. You just, I just showed up one day and I gave you some cash. You didn't even know what was it. And before I knew it, money was flowing to my account. I was like, yes, Lord, glory. But that's not it. That's not the truth. But it was working. And it created a kind of veil, a blindness, right? Through which you now start looking at everything about God. Whereas you have not realized that you are blind but when you enroll in the school of the spirit, he will be able to remove that veil from your eyes that you will see clearly, right? The truth, you will not be swayed by any kind of doctrine, right? Let's read 2 Corinthians 3, verse 15 to 18. It says, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, in other words, this is the law, a veil of blindness lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns in repentance and faith to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, emancipation from bondage, true freedom. And we all with unveiled face continually seen as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are progressively being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, right? So you see that the Holy Spirit is the one that's doing this work of transformation, this unveiling from glory to glory. There's blindness that many of us are still living in, that if you don't enroll in his school, you will not even be aware that you are in blindness. And this glory that we are supposed to be growing and be transformed, we will just find that, oh, we are still living the same life every day. It's the same thing. Ten years, you have not changed. Nothing has happened. That's not what God expects. He expects us to grow from glory to glory. And the only way you can do that is to allow the Holy Spirit to enroll you and to start to remove the veil Start to remove the veil, right? He said it continually seen as in a mirror. It's not one time. It's continual, 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 right? 
let's look at a few things that the Holy Spirit helps us to do. In Galatians 5, verse 19 to 25, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before, those, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yeah? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Right? When you read all of those things, you can think, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be having. Love, joy, peace. Obviously, you are not supposed to be entering the fruit of the flesh. But it is not a walk of the flesh either. It is a walk of the spirit. Walking in the spirit. If you think you are going to produce anything that's acceptable to God without the spirit of God, it is false. You are standing on sinking sand. Anything that he himself does not produce. What does the end of it say? It says, since we live by the spirit... Because the life you have, the life I have, it's not, it's not the life that was there when your mommy and daddy gave that to you. That's not the one anymore. The life you have now is the life of God himself. Right? It's the life of God himself. And if you live and walk by the spirit, walk by the spirit that was given to associate, to guide and institute that life, the fruits will bear in your life. If you are seeing the obvious fruits of the flesh, it's primarily maybe because we have not given us totally to the Holy Spirit. And remember, it says we are continually being progressed. So I don't want you to hear this and think, oh God, I'm still doing some of these things. No, it's not saying that you are not in a sheepfold. I am saying this is an opportunity for you to give yourself over to the spirit totally. Totally. If you read in the book of Chronicles, they spoke about some kings. And he would describe, the Bible would describe some of them. He says he, he did evil after his father. But some of them, he said he did good, right? Like his father but not like his father, David. Like there's degrees to it, to which you allow yourself to follow God. That's what I mean. There were some kings that arose in Israel at some point, and they destroyed everything. And the Bible will say there was quiet in their time. But then there's some that they would destroy some things, and they would still leave the high places there, the Bible says. Or they will not destroy everybody. And maybe down the line, those things will come back. But God is asking for a complete surrender. Complete surrender. Complete, complete to the Holy Spirit. Right? 
He is the one that produces the life of God in us. Right? In Romans 8, chapter 11, it says, And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Right? See it there. Jesus, his dead body, his dead body, physical dead body, was given life by the spirit of God. Right? So in the same way, our spirit man was dead. He's the spirit of God in our spirit man is giving life, bringing us alive. And if he's the one giving life, he can only give you one kind of life, the life of God. There's no other life that he can produce except the life of God. And that is what he's expecting to produce in us. The life of God, evidenced by righteous works, righteous works produced by his grace. It is not like this, this thing that we have accepted as, as our new life, Christ Jesus. It is not something that we are, like we don't have the, the true understanding. The true understanding is it is coming directly from God. This life is not anything that we fashioned at all. It's all him. He, like, it's not saying that, oh, you are getting better. You are, the life that we have is God's life. It cannot get better. We can only allow ourselves to yield to him and become, like, what does the Bible say? Become drunk, like it says, be drunk in the spirit. You know what it means to be drunk? I don't know whether you have been drunk before. But it means that there's no ounce of you left. You are being controlled. Right? The alcohol does not change its, its count. It just, it's just that the more it takes over you, the more of him that is in you, the more you begin to display what that alcohol produces. So you, is not the, is the, the life itself is not going to change. You just have to let the Holy Spirit enroll you. And by our submission, obedience, we become, we behold him, we change into the very person of Jesus Christ that he is wanting. Let's read Romans chapter 6. Verse 11 to 13. It says, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Right? We just spoke about that. It, that old life that we had, it doesn't exist. Right? Then this is it. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. That's it now. That's the new life we have. Right? We're dead it's not, it's not saying, like, I, I don't know. 
Sorry, there was one day I was hired to do photography. <laughs> Pastor, I remember this day. It was only me and the, the, the coven in the place when I arrived. There was nothing. There was no life. Nothing. As cold as it was in there, it was freezing. I had to go out. The dead body did not feel anything. Nothing was there. It doesn't, dead, dead is dead. And I think that's the problem is that many of us have not died. <laughs> many of us have not died. I, I, I tell the ministers about this song that, that God gave me when I first started to like become more serious. Yeah, and the lyrics of the song is, I'm coming to the end of me, the place I was meant to be. To know of your love for me takes coming to the end of me. The life I now find I live, grace made on the cross for me. This is the Christ in me. I've come to the end of me. And it's only like a few like as now I'm starting to see it like there's, there's no other way than to die. Right? There's no other way. Esther was beautiful. She could have said, oh, you know, like all the other ones. Vashti was beautiful. She decided she wants her own style. There were other ladies there, but the testimony of Esther was that she only took what Hagar said she should take. That's somebody who is not... And if you see her life further, when Mordecai told her to go, like, go before the king, she said, okay, oh, if I die... I die. Yeah? I, I can't, we couldn't have read all of Esther. Come on. It's up to us to go and study it. But at the end, the, her testimony was she's even ready to die. Have, have, we, have we thought about that yet? That we are called to die. If you are going to be enrolled in this school, we don't need your portfolio. We don't need your jump result. We don't need your A-levels. What is required is what Jesus has done and your total death. Right? If we die and we let him live through us, we will reflect the glory that that this school wants to produce in every one of us. Because like I said, the life is not one that's getting better. It's already there. He's, the Holy Spirit is just there now, pruning each and every one of us, molding us, opening our eyes, removing the veil, so that we can become reflectants of what is already has been deposited in us. He is the only hope the Holy Spirit, he is the only hope for our redemption, right? We have been sealed with him. If we open Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 32. This is part of not letting the Holy Spirit and letting sin reign in us. He says, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The Holy Spirit is, there's not, oh my God. If you don't do this, I, I'm glad I was not the one that God made to say the message that we received from Oyeka because I think all of us needed to hear it with the true authority that God wanted it to come with. But if you do not submit to the Holy Spirit and his prescription, just the same way all the others were not accepted, you are not going to be accepted. And I say that with all humility. Good, doing good is not the requirement for entering heaven. And I'll show you. Doing good is not the requirement. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Those are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. That's requirement to be led. Led in all things. Not, oh, just in this area. Led in everything. Quite literally, they took Esther from where she was and put her in the care of Haggai. It was 12 months, 12 months of prescribed things that he was going to put them through. And even after that, she was only going to take the things that he said she should take. That's why she was accepted. She did not know the customs of Zeus. She did not know what they, what they needed. But Haggai knows. Who can know the heart of the, a man except what? The spirit of the man. How much more God? Who can know the heart of God except who? The spirit of God. You might think, oh, yes, I'm doing all these things, and God, oh, amazing. Thank you, Lord. But if he did not lead you, if the Spirit of God did not lead you, oh, my God. The Bible did not say that those two men did not build. They built. Just one of them built on the rock, and then one of them built on sand. Oh, you will build. People are building everywhere today. People are building but one day, one day, one day, the wind of God is coming. And it will show whether our life was truly built on him, on his prescription, or did we just make assumption at every turn in our life? In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 9 to 11, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extorters, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus 
and by the spirit of our God. This is what he's doing. Nowhere did he say you did anything here. But we are recipients of it. Washed, sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus, but by the spirit. And it's not just the one-time thing. It's, it's your whole life. Right? That's why he says, husband, love your wives in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. He says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so that he might sanctify the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God, so that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor. The washing is by his own word. He's doing the washing with his own word. But he's not here physically. Jesus is not here with you physically. So who is actually doing it? Yes, the spirit of God. So that he can present us to who? To Jesus. The sons of God, right? The royal line of God, it is, it is following the same pattern. You know why I was wondering why David is, is the one that is, Jesus is son of David, right? We know that scripture that says, I've quoted it, as many as are led by the spirit of God are children of God. But in 1 Samuel 13, verse 13 to 14, it says, how foolish Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Verse 14. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. God was prepared to use Saul. That's the truth. God was prepared to use Saul. But the reason why the kingdom was taken from Saul was because he did not keep the Lord's command. In Acts 13, 21 to 22, then the people begged for a king and God gave them See, it's God. God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with a man, with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Right? Psalm 89, verse 3 to 4. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with David, my chosen servant. I have sworn this oath to him. I will establish your descendants as kings forever. They will sit on your throne from now until eternity. There's one other person that we know that said that this same testimony could be said about Jesus. He says, I only do what? I only do what my father says. And this was what God showed me. Yes, faith comes through Abraham. 
But kingship in the kingdom of God, where the world says kings give orders, in the kingdom of God, for him to call you a king, the, the mark of your kingship is that you are submitted to him and you do everything he wants you to do. So through David comes a new line of kings. And you can be in that line. Because that's the line Jesus, the life that is in you is in. Where you only do what the father wants you to do. I know there's this thing going around in the world that, oh yeah, we're just human, you know, we make mistakes. And yes, we do make mistakes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it's possible for you to live a life. If you enroll in this school of the spirit, where he's progressively transforming you, where you will be living and you would only be doing what God says. And once you get there, that's, that's hallmark of kingship will begin to be evident over your life. Not because you are the richest person in the world, but because the peace that surpasses understanding you have. You are, you are not moved by things, right? God knows you. He responds to you. Your word does not fall to the ground. These are the things that we read about people in the Bible and we think, oh yeah, they were so great. They just simply obeyed God. They just did what God said. And God is saying, there's still a line of kings. There's still a line of kings who can behold my glory. But these are the people, the only ones that I can mark with my glory of kingship are the people who do what I say. The people who do what I say. When you want to, if you are going to be a king in God's kingdom, it's not about you giving orders and you, your way. No, the, the kingship in the kingdom of God is submission and obedience to do everything he says. Everything he says. Now, Romans 8, 15, 17, because when we hear this, we might think, oh, God is just making to be a tyrant. The spirit Romans 8, 15, 17 tells us, it says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. This is not so that we can now be afraid. No. No. Actually, this is a liberating message. To know that it's not up to you. You just have to enroll. He says, rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, by that same spirit, you can cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Father, I don't know how. I don't even know how to do all these things. Man, I thought I was a Christian, but so far, the past few weeks, Lord, I don't even know where I am. You are on the right track. You are on the right track. Because when we start to depend on our own selves, we are already missing it. 
But when you wake up daily realizing how poor you are, like, like they said in, the, in our class today, when you wake up realizing how poor you are in the spirit and how dependent you are on everything the spirit, he says, for God's sake, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You eat every day. Matter of fact, you eat sometimes six times a day. It's not about our strength. We, can, he's, he, we need to do it his way. But at the same time, we cannot do it by ourselves. And he has, he's the same one that's giving you the way, but he's the same one that is helping you through it. Go and read that book of Esther again and see what Haggai did for her. She came in and the Bible says she pleased him. She pleased him. Do you know how to please somebody? It's very simple. They tell you to do this, you do that. They tell you to do that, you do that. When they come, you make good conversation. In other words, Esther was able to relate with her guy and she pleased him. The Bible says he gave her seven attendants. He started giving her the things that will help her. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us. He is the one that has everything we need for life and godliness. And so when you stay with him, <laughs> like um, and this man up here, what's his name? Chris. Like he says, he stayed beside his mom in the kitchen. He didn't need to do anything. But when she was giving stuff, his brothers were outside. But he was there. So he would get something. He will get something just by being in the presence. You don't want the Holy Spirit to be a, oh, now we're going to church. Holy Spirit, ah, oh. You want to play two worship songs. What? You must be enrolled. Enrolled in his school. And let everything about you become what he's prescribing. Now, the last part is that he is the power of God, right, in us, right, to transform us. Like, as I've been saying, he's the, like, not only is he giving the requirements, but he's also the one doing it. He's the power in us. If we open Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. It says, so then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instruction with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. There's a work to be done. Continue to work out your salvation, that is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with all inspired fear and trembling, using serious and critical self-evaluation, to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. He's the one. All right, he says, it's not your strength. 
the strength that we rely on is the strength of God. We don't boast in ourselves. That I'm standing here does not mean I have anything better than any one of us. I just happen to be the person that is standing here today. We are all standing on the strength of God. We don't have any other option but to rely on the Spirit of God. The very will to, the very desire in us to do the will of God, He produces it. And the Bible says His mercies are new, what? Every morning. You know why? Because it's not, it's not I got it yesterday. I got it yesterday, thank God. But today, Lord, I come here again and I say, I need your spirit to help me through this day. I need your spirit to guide me today. He said it now. He said, use serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Caution, caution, right? We are saying it here. Oh, put your phones on silent. It might seem small, okay. But are you in the school of the spirit? And as he started speaking to you about what, is, what that is means? Because it's not me. If you are just hearing me, that's meaningless. Until he starts teaching, you have not heard nothing. And eventually, by the grace of God, I pray that each one of us, as we give him time, as we actually allow ourselves and we receive him, we allow him to start teaching us. I cannot teach. He's the one that teaches. I cannot transform. None of my words can transform anybody. But when he comes and becomes your teacher, as he was given to us, when you enroll in his school, right? This is not school that you go and then you start skipping class. No, enroll in a school. Diligently obey. Go through everything. When he says drop this thing, just drop it. When he calls something out, don't, don't argue. Like if, if, a bre- if your brother comes to you and says, oh, what you did hurt me, that's not the time to be arguing. Like apologize. Go to the spirit. Ah, this thing they said, is it true? Is, if this is it, Help me. He's, he's working. And many of us are kicking against him every day. He wants to produce the life of God in us to the world, even to your community. But we have to allow him. And I pray we do. I'll just read this statement as we close. I'm out of time. It says, do not forget and do not forsake the spirit of God. Cultivate a deep relationship with him. Do not grieve him nor ignore his promptings. He is the power of God at work in us, leading us to the glory that had been prepared for each one of us. Leading us to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He is the spirit of the shepherd. He comes fully equipped with all that we will ever need for life and godliness. He leads along still waters and the paths of righteousness. He is unwavering in the face of darkness. His light consumes everything. 
He is our guide and helper. He prepares a table for us to feed on the word and find nourishment for our souls. All this while darkness tries to keep from drowning in his light. As a true shepherd, his rod and staff comforts us. His attendance, goodness and mercy have become our attendance. We are eternally blessed. With him, we will always be welcome in the house of the Father, in the throne room of the King, and the arms of his Son. Welcome to the school of the Spirit. God bless you. Amen.